Welcome to the Success IQ podcast, the show for entrepreneurs wanting to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 162. For those of you who are new to the show, welcome. I'm a specialist in performance and mindset, working with business owners all over the world, supporting them to be the best and perform at their highest levels in life and business. And I achieve this through my coaching and online programs. I started this podcast to discover how other thought and business leaders and create and enjoy success and to identify common strategies and techniques as well as the mindset that they have adopted to live their version of exceptional. My aim is simple. It's for you to learn and implement the valuable lessons shared in these episodes. You deserve to live and enjoy an exceptional life. But in order to achieve this, you will have to adopt new strategies and ways of thinking to accomplish your goals. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having an amazing week. So we have got a great guest lined up this week. Brendan Kane. Now, Brendan is a digital strategist for Fortune 500 corporations, global brands, and celebrities. He started his career in the entertainment industry, managing digital divisions for two prominent movie studios. His most recent book, Hook Point, How to Stand Out in a Three-Second World, breaks down the most effective strategies to generate new opportunities, innovate and scale businesses, and create compelling brand both online and off, to ensure that they thrive in a new micro-attention world in which we now live. Brendan, welcome to the show. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to connect with you and everybody that's listening to this. Yeah, I am really looking forward to our conversation. Before we really dive into this, can you give us a little bit of a backstory that's brought you to this point today? Yeah, so I've been in the technology and digital and social media space for... 16, 17 years now. So I, I started way back when I was going to college. I wanted to be a film producer. So I went to film school, hoping that I would learn a little bit about business and learn about the business side of the entertainment industry. Uh, but when I got there, I quickly realized they teach you nothing about business there. So I figured the best way to really learn about business is start your own. And the most cost-efficient way at the time, and it still holds true today, was to create internet companies. So I created a few internet companies while I was going to college, really just to, to learn and experiment. And then when I moved to LA in 2005 to pursue a career in film, it's when the entertainment industry started to reawaken to digital after the dot-com bust. So I basically leveraged that knowledge in forming those companies to get my foot in the door. Cause like everybody else, I started at the bottom making coffee and copies and deliveries and was looking for that extra edge and way to stand out and provide unique value. And thus I leveraged that uh, experience I had in creating those internet companies to help producers, directors, studio executives, uh, actors to further syndicate their brand online using these new powerful tools that were emerging. Wow. Wow. And, and you've recently brought out your second book, Hook Point, as well. Um, how's that going for you at the minute? Uh, it's going really well. I mean, there's a huge 
demand and need in the marketplace. I mean, we touch a lot of clients in all facets of business and the reoccurring problem that all of them have is they're struggling to to find a way to stand out and scale to that next level because we live in a world today where there's over 60 billion messages sent out on digital platforms each day. It's, it's no longer that you're just fighting against your direct competition, which is hard enough as it is. Now you're fighting for attention against every piece of content, every content creator, every ad creator, every marketer on the planet. Wow. And what, um, what, or do you think there is that additional pressure to try and catch people's attention with what's going on in the world? Do you, do you see a, a, a significant difference in how people may approach it or is it kind of like just the same? Oh, it's, it, it's definitely different. It has to be different because this, the tactics that you used 10, 20, 30 years ago, or even just a few years ago, aren't going to work because there's just so much noise. There is so much uh, competition for that attention. And you have to find ways to essentially disrupt the pattern of all the other content to really rise above. And and for, for, I love the sort of if you want the the, the subtitle that comes with that that three second world bit. And um, for you, how how do you describe or for you what is a hook point? So a hook point at its highest level is just grabbing attention. It's it's winning the first part of the conversation. Now there's three core pillars to creating a successful hook point. The first one is, can you grab the attention? Can you stop the scroll, earn the click, generate the email open, get the meeting, whatever it is, this is both online and offline, is you have to disrupt the pattern of all the other content that people are exposed to each day. That Forbes released an article recently that the average person's exposed to between 4,000 and 10,000 ads every single day. So what that means is realistically, most people are ignoring 4,000 to 10,000 ads a day. So you have to find a way to first grab the attention and win the first part of the conversation. And when we say three second world, it doesn't mean that your content has to be in three seconds or you can't hold a people's attention for a long period of time. You can. The three second part comes in is that there's so much content, there's so much noise that you have to win those first three seconds to get any chance to get somebody to pay attention to you. Then with that that first core pillar, once you have the attention, then you can move into the second core pillar with, which is the story that you tell them. Because we're not talking about clickbait here. We're not saying, oh, just grab attention in any way, shape or form. Once you grab that attention, you then have to hold it. Because if you don't hold it with the story that you're telling, then you lose it and then it becomes worthless. And then the third core pillar is, do people believe and trust in what you say? And this is why we're not talking about clickbait here, because if you're misleading people, then it ultimately will fall flat. So all these three key pillars have to fall in together is like without the initial pattern interruption or grabbing the attention, you never get to the story. People will never know what you're about, what you offer, how you can provide value. And then if you grab attention, but your story sucks, then you lose that attention. If you grab the attention, your story's good, but people don't believe it, then it falls apart. So all three have to come together to create a successful hook point. 
Okay, and is is can you give um, can you give me an example of a, a good a gra- a sort of an attention grabber that you've seen or that you sort of um, if you were working someone with someone and they were and they were kind of like starting out because we've got a range of listeners who have owned their business for a long time or who have just started and you know I wish them I wish them the best of luck during these during these interesting times but uh, do you can you identify any particular grabber attention uh, examples that have sort of really stood out for you? Well, we, we talk about an example in the book about uh, meditation, like meditation has been around for thousands of years. Everything has been said and done regarding meditation. So if we were to create a, a meditation app or maybe a meditation retreat, we have to identify that there is a strong pattern of everything that's been said about it. And this is one of the biggest challenges people make is they say the same thing in the same way as everybody else, thinking that they're being unique, but they're not. So meditation, you type it into Google, there's going to be billions of results and you'll hear the similar things as meditation is the key to stillness or contentment or relieving anxiety or stress. And the minute somebody sees that as a headline or an introduction to a video, they already know what it's going to be about. Even if you have a unique perspective, again, you have less than three seconds. If somebody deems that I already know what this is going to say, or I've already heard it before, they're going to skip past it. So one of the tools that we use, and I'm not saying we use it all the time, and I don't suggest using it all the times, but it's a good expression of grabbing attention. It's called subverting expectations is how can you flip something on its head. So if I was designing a video ad for this meditation app or retreat, the headline may say something like, uh, meditation is a scam. Now, again, that headline on its own, you may think, well, is that clickbait? Well, it can be clickbait if the story doesn't match up. So if I start off with a headline or a meme card and a meme card is like the burned in text at the top of video that says meditation's a scam, I may start off by the say, by uh, with the video with the story by saying, hey, have you ever just felt like meditation just doesn't work for you? Have you tried it and it just hasn't produced the results or you just didn't really get what all the the fanatic, the, the hoopla or the, you know, the promotion about it is, well, if that's you, like I completely feel your pain because to be honest, when I started meditating, I would listen to people and they say, I had to sit down and just clear my head and not think about anything. And every time I would sit down, my mind would race. It would constantly race to thought, to thought, to thought. And I just thought to myself, is meditation a scam? Is it just something that maybe I'm getting wrong. And I was so frustrated until one day I met a Zen Buddhist monk and he shared these three key strategies that allowed me to go from a non-meditator to somebody that loves meditation and has meditated every day for the past 12 years. So let's dive in and I'm going to share these key three strategies. If you just click the link below and follow me on the next page. So what I did is I I subverted the expectations. I flipped it on its head and the story I told matched the way that I grabbed the attention. And hopefully I did it in such a way that it built enough trust and credibility by tying to other people's experiences that they'll take me on the next step of the journey. 
Yeah, and I suppose with that as well is is that you're not only um, sort of bringing and attracting the people who will kind of like think that, but you're also bringing the people that will be passionate meditators or medit yeah meditators people who meditate anyway. Um, they'll be passionate about that, and they'll almost come on there to try and find out what you did to prove it wrong, sort of thing. Yeah, or they may, you will get some negative yeah. backlash from people that will have people that won't even watch the video yeah. and will say stop stuff, war. but you will, <laughs> the, even the active meditator will stop and at least give you a few seconds. But yeah, the, that whole point is to, to win that first part of the conversation to go to the next and hold that for as long as possible. You know, another example is we did is, and we didn't create this content, we just repackaged it, but we found a really crazy outside the box commercial uh, that you really had no idea what it was for until the end. So we took it and we just put a meme card on the top of it that says, you will never guess what this ad is for. And it was just like this weird thing of these guys like laying down interlocked their arms and like all this crazy stuff happening to them, like bird pooping on their face. They would freeze because like all this ice would be like dropping down on them. Then they would have like a flamethrower over them. And at the end, they reveal it's for a roofing company and all the guys were like tiles on top of a roof. But what we did is we took this, this abstract commercial that you would have never seen before. Cause I had never heard of the company before our team found it. And we earned the attention by saying, you'll never guess what this ad is for. And you want to guess, well, what is this ad for? Because it had a really strong headline. And then just the intro scene was, was eye catching. But what it also did is it held attention because it got people to stop, but then people wanted to wait till the end to see what it was about. So when we talk about like social media specifically, there's two key principles and it's similar to the, the, the three core pillars we just um, covered, but I'm going to break it down even to simpler forms for social media is you only have to do two things to be a master of social media, no matter what platform or what changes. One, can you stop the scroll? Or in the case of YouTube, can you earn the click? And then once you stop the scroll or earn the click, how long can you hold their attention for? So with that example, it played to those principles. It grabbed your attention by saying, you'll never guess what this ad is for. And it held that attention because people wanted to see the end of what the product was. And it was a successful video. You know, it generated about 6 million views on Facebook and about 500, a little over 500,000 views on Instagram because we played to those two principles. Wow. And can personalities be hook points? Like, you know, like, um, I suppose we have a saying here, I don't know whether you have it in the saying, but they can be like Marmite, where, you know, like um, Gary Vaynerchuk at the very beginning seemed to really create, a, there was either one side with him or one side completely against him. And it, the way he, um, it was very um, provocative isn't the right word, but um, it was provoking, sorry, is the word I'm thinking of. Um, can that be a hook point? Well, let's take Gary for an example because it's a it's a great example. Like Gary and his team are masters of this. If you watch any of their content, especially on Instagram, they'll take like a interview he does with somebody or advice he's giving to a young kid 
And that first three to five seconds will be very punchy. It will, it'll, they'll pull it from like the end of the interview or the conversation or maybe the middle, the middle, but that first three to five seconds is very punchy, grabs your attention and then wants, then you want to see what happens, you know, next. So can a personality be the hook point itself? I, you know, I think there's different use cases of the word personality. I don't think that the person themselves, I mean, there's rare instances, like if you see like the rock in his charisma or Kevin Hart or Robin Williams, their personality and their performance can be a hook point to drive people in. But it's not just the person like Gary is so big because he understands this at its core they're always looking at how do we grab attention to bring people into that conversation. You know, it's not just that Gary gets in front of the camera and all of a sudden he's just grabbing all this attention. It's engineered. It's designed in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I get, I get that. Okay. But so it's not exactly the, the content. It's not the personality, but it's, but it's what surrounds that personality that actually creates the full story in order for that then to be transferred into whatever else it's context it's context but i'll give you another example prince ea who wrote the forward for my first book it's one of the top content creators on the planet he's generated billions and billions of views and one of his top videos is about the environment and it generated several hundred million views and again the environment is something that's been talked about for thousands of years it's not particularly a sexy subject. It's not a subject that you think would go viral, but his brilliance is his ability to perform, his cadence, his tone, his ability to turn it into to poetry. That's what hooks people in. And it's not like he's saying anything that hasn't been said before. It's the way that he contextualizes it through his genius of performance. And that's his personal brand. And that's the way that he goes viral. So it's not just him as him. It's his cadence, his tone, his performance that that hooks people in. Right. Okay. Okay. I get that. Right. Okay. I understand. And and for for, for when people are, are, are looking at these, you know, the hook points, and then once they've grabbed the attention and they come to the story, and then that believe and trust is, is that that's obviously a natural arc of that conversation. If you've grabbed their attention and then if you have created the story and it's not clickbait, then does the believe and trust come naturally based on um, how we um, respond psychologically or is there other things that need to come into place? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of different variables that play into that. I mean, first and foremost is common sense of just, you know, do, do you believe what you're conveying. And number two, do you feel comfortable? Like if somebody doesn't feel comfortable on camera, that can come off and make you not trust them. Uh, And that's not because they're trying to mislead you is they just come off like that, that they're not sure about themselves or sure about what they're saying. But we also use a lot of um, psychology and communication framework frameworks to make sure that we're constructing our messages to the different ways that people perceive the world. So we use a framework that's used by NASA and Pixar and Audi to really communicate at scale. 
And what it does is it identifies the different ways that people perceive the world. And we use it to make sure that we're contextualizing our message to the various ways that people can perceive content, perceive themselves, perceive products, uh, and just the world around them. So there's people that perceive the world through feelings and emotions. There's people that perceive the world through thoughts and logic. Does it make sense? There's people that perceive the world through values and opinions. Uh, Other people that just act. There's people that react through fun and humor. There's other people that just reflect. So typically when we're working to build that trust and credibility, we focus on the big three, which is feelings, facts, and fun, because that represents about 75% of the population. So when we're contextualizing a message, we want to make sure that we express how it's going to make them feel to engage with it, the facts behind it, why it makes sense, and also how fun it's going to be. So if we want to go back to that that meditation example, we could construct a message to say, you know, when you join this meditation retreat, you're just going to feel so good because the connections you're going to make with the other people in the group and even the teachers are just so strong. They really care about you and your well-being. And by the time you're done with this, you're going to be an expert in meditation and you're going to be able to decrease your stress levels by over 30% by using the science-based method that we use in teaching meditation. And also you're going to have so much fun because we have a closing night party that is just off the chain. People just absolutely go crazy and have fun. And you're going to meet so many cool and interesting people. So what I did there is I expressed the feeling about how it's going to feel. I expressed some data and facts about why it makes sense. And then I also expressed like how it's going to be fun so that those three key ways that people perceive the world, which again is 75% of the population, can really hear and connect with the message to determine whether or not it's the right fit. I'm not saying because you communicate means that people are going to buy in because it's, you know, it has to be a good product, but what it does is it allows people to hear you because if I just spoke from facts and logic and just spewed data and facts and all of this of why it makes sense and didn't talk about feeling or fun, the people that perceive the world through feeling or fun or the people that perceive the world through uh, fun and humor, they're not going to hear the message. They're going to disconnect from it. And in addition, it may deteriorate the ability to build trust and credibility. Yeah, I know. I know if, if it was that way, I would probably just switch off because it's, it, to me, it just reminds me of school. <laughs> so so I just, I'd start falling asleep very, very, very quickly. And and as you go is as well as it's the, do the different the different words that you use and the matching with the congruence or would that that has a connective um a connection within that sort of feelings facts and um fun as well yeah it's words it's phrases it's tone it's facial expressions it's it's a lot of different variables that go into pulling that off no, that's ama- that's amazing. I, I really could speak to you about this for ages. Um, so what we're going to do is we're now going to jump over to the second part of the show where I ask you a set of questions. I ask every guest who comes on the show to really sort of identify common threads and other points of interest as well. So are you ready, sir? Okay, first question. On average, how much time do you roughly dedicate a week to self-development? That could be body, mind, and spirit. 
I couldn't tell you based on week. I would say about two hours a day, whatever that kind of equates to. Do you have a, a favorite way? Is it reading? Is it listening? What What is your favorite way of doing it? Well, I most of my time is spent actually implementing the things that I learn. So I don't, I'm not one of these people that is constantly consuming new information or new new ways of improving yourself, I typically latch on to one, two or three things and go super deep into it. And then if it, you know, after going super deep, I don't feel like it's reaching the potential that I want, then I'll move on to the next thing. Um, Question number two, what book has made the biggest impact to your self-development or personal growth and why? And it doesn't have to be a traditional self-development book. It's tough because I don't read a lot of books. I would say one of my favorite books is How to Win Friends and Influence People. But like most of my personal development is not coming from books. It's coming from engaging with experts around the world, listening to podcasts, things of that nature, because I'm so much an experiential learner. If I can't sit there and like dive into it and ask questions or things of that nature, it falls a little bit flat for me. Okay. Um, what's, what's one of your favorite podcasts? I would say Joe Rogan's pretty amazing, you know, because he has such a diverse, uh, diverse perspective with the people that he brings on and they dive into some pretty, uh, substance, uh, you know, substantial uh, topics with world leading experts. Yeah. I like, he, he doesn't hold his punches either. Yeah. He's not afraid to push back if something doesn't. <laughs> no, not at all. No, I, I quite like that. And um, number three, what app makes the biggest impact to your business or personal life? In a positive or a negative way? <laughs> Because there's there's apps that I use. Well, um, it would be it would be it would be new in a negative way, but I suppose why not take one from each category? Well, listen, I mean, one of the ways you know the platforms we use all the time is you know social media, and, and that has both a positive and negative impact. Because from a positive standpoint, it allows us to reach tens of millions, in some cases, hundreds of millions of people around the world. On on the second layer, you know, because we dive into it so deep, we have to be constantly studying these platforms. And the correlative effect of that is that we become addicted to them because that's what they're designed to do. So, you know, those apps, you know, we're constantly researching Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, all those platforms. And again, from a both positive and a negative standpoint, it has a, a tremendous impact. I would just out of curiosity, because obviously this is the, the world you live in. Um, what is your thoughts of TikTok? I, I'm I'm still and like my kids have been telling me about this for ages. I'm still trying to grasp TikTok. What 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 are your thoughts of it? Well, I I think the easy the easiest way to grasp it is find people that are in your industry or people that you admire and look at their content. Like for example, like look at a Gary Vaynerchuk's account, or we were working with, you know, uh, a, a well-known thought leader today. And we were doing references of doctors on TikTok or other people like that, because you're going to get lost in the clutter or you're going to get confused. If you just up, uh, download the app and you watch people dance, I would look at it. Yeah. yeah. What is that fascination of doing specific dance? <laughs> I was, I couldn't, I was like, yeah, okay. I don't think this is for me. I'm 45 years old and I can't dance like that to save me life. Yeah. I mean, it's self-expression, you know, for, for, for that younger audience, but 
again, we always reference, we always are studying references and, and that's the best place to start is just search some thought leaders uh, that you respect, see if they're on TikTok. And if they are, then you can see the type of content that they're developing and then determine is, is that really where I want to invest my time and energy? And that answer is completely up to the individual. I don't believe in choosing a platform or diving into a platform just because other people are doing it because it, it it's, you know, there's so many different ways that you can be successful in business. Yeah. And I suppose it has to match that personality type as well. Yeah. And your strengths and weaknesses and also your brand goals and just where, where you need to focus to, to scale. No, that's cool. That's cool. Question number four is what's your biggest business mistake that turned into a valuable lesson and what did it teach you? I feel like I'm making mistakes every day. Yeah. I mean, the biggest mistake, I, I think just like a reoccurring theme is just patience. You know, when I was young, I wanted to everything to happen too fast. And thus I dropped certain ideas or directions that had tremendous potential just because we were too early to the market and we just didn't stick it out and wait for that, the right timing. It's it, actually funny enough that quite a few people have been on the show and that's been a sort of lesson that they've learned generally in their earlier part of life. Because I suppose the the hubris of youth, um, but it's it is quite an interesting one. Um, question five: What are your challenges in harmonizing work and life, and how do you manage them? Not very well. Uh, I, it's a struggle, you know. Being an entrepreneur, building a business, building a brand is it's a full time thing. Uh, but you know, I do realize that balance is critically important. And again, I am not good at it, but it's something that I put a conscious effort in to improve upon it. And, you know, taking more time to just enjoy life for what it is and, you know, connect with people and experiences outside of uh, just the everyday uh, daily work tasks and meetings and all that. Yeah. And do you find it, but you probably find it more challenging when you're on a book tour and all of that sort of stuff, do you? Uh, yeah. I mean, listen, we, we have a very different strategy when it comes to books. Like we don't just do like a book launch, like we create systems to sell books at scale. So my first book, we sell more books today than when we did when we launched, uh, because we just build a systematic and a scalable approach to growth. So it's, it's kind of a, a never ending process. Um, but we do that on purpose because we just found ways to really scale brands and revenue through that type of mindset and approach. Right. Okay. Okay. And um, question number six, what advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out? I think it goes back to that. Just being patient, just being patient with things. Uh, you know, you have, you have quite a bit of time to build your career and quite a bit of time to learn and experience and, and fail. Uh, so it's just, you know, going back to that, that patience aspect. Okay, cool. Question number seven, what is your definition of success? I don't want to answer that because I think it's different for everybody. Exactly. But that's why I asked that. Yeah. But I, again, like, I don't want to seed my, I, I just don't want to answer because I don't want to seed my idea to somebody else. Like, it's not that I'm like worried to share my definition of success, but I just, I get really hesitant to do that. 
because like I want people to find their own definition of what it means and not listen to somebody else. No, but that, and I think and I think you know that's that's of course fine, and I love the fact that you've identified that everyone has their own because I think that's one of the biggest challenges with a lot of people I meet is they try to pursue someone else's. Yeah, and it's it's even for me, it's like I'm in a network where I have friends that have sold companies for billions of dollars, and and it get it just it's a trap to compare yourself to other people or to compare other people's perceptions and ways of life to yours. No, that's cool. That's cool. And number eight, do you have any daily routines or rituals that make a huge positive impact to your day? Well, they're constantly changing. I mean, right now I'm doing a lot of breath work and reprogramming my brain through uh, some breath techniques that were taught to me by a professional freediver and using the art of you know, free diving breath work and breath holds to reprogram your relationship with fear, anxiety, stress, and panic. So it's the most difficult thing I've had to do and it's still difficult, but you definitely see a positive impact from it. And is that similar to Wim Hof? Yes. It's very different. Um, and the, the final question is, is have you, what sort of challenges have you gone through that you're obviously prepared to share during this sort of COVID-19 thing that's been going on for nearly a year now? Have you noticed any big changes that you've had to implement or anything like that? Well, in the very beginning, when everything went into lockdown, there was a lot of uncertainty, as I'm sure you experienced and a lot of people listening to this. And that caused a lot of fear and anxiety in our clients. And we had some big clients pull out. And we, I had to make a, a hard decision. Was it, hey, do I pull back, conserve cash, be, you know, very um, safe about it? Or do I push forward with our plans and continue to scale and continue to grow uh, in the midst of everything that's going on? And, and I decided to push forward. And that was not an easy decision. It was a scary decision to make. Uh, but that's once once the decision was made, there was no real turning back. And for me, I do not consume any of the news or the media or any of that stuff around this. I just focus on what I can control. And I focus on growing the business and focusing on what's in front of me. And that has made it a bit easier. I'm not going to say that it hasn't been hard because it has, uh, but that's, you know, and running any business is hard and whether it was COVID or something else, our economy and, and everything goes through these trials and tribulations. So that's really kind of the approach that, that, that I took with it. And it's, it, it's one of those, it's one of those valuable lessons. And I know you, you know, you were talking about patience and stuff before when you were younger, have you, have you, has this been like a learning curve for you about learning to take, to sort of focus on what you can control? Cause a huge amount of stress is created in people's lives by focusing on quite frankly, the shit that they can't, um, have you have have you sort of had that philosophy for a, for a long time that um focus on what you can control well did i have the philosophy yes am i was i executing it did properly you? that's a whole nother thing you know as human beings especially for me you can know something but not really understand it and for me like i can't really understand something until i 
master it. Like going back to what I was talking to you about this breath work that I'm doing, I get it. I get what it's doing, but I still don't like when I'm holding my breath and I get a sense of panic, I know that I'm supposed to have a better relationship with it and kind of bend it, but I'm not there yet. I know I will get there the more I practice it and experience it, but I'm not an expert in it. So it goes back to, again, like the sense of what you can control, what you can't control. Am I better at it? Sure. Do I really understand what it means? Yes. Am I perfect at it? By no means. I don't think I will ever be perfect at it because I'm a human being and human beings are emotional. Uh, but yeah, I mean, listen, I try and implement it. Uh, but does that mean that I, that I stumble, stumble with it sometimes? Absolutely. Mm. But it's, it's, and, but, but the breath work in itself is a fascinating sort of study of doing because it's, it's like you say, is, is depending on your mindset will depend on whether, you know, the, the, the survival mechanism kicks in and. Oh, it's a hundred percent. Like if you're in a state of stress, I, I couldn't hold my breath for more than 30 seconds. If I, if I'm relaxed and I have the right mindset, I can hold my breath for four minutes. It's it's amazing, isn't the human body? How the head can be. I've got a friend who does the free free diving, and and that's one of the thing I remember him always saying is is you've got to go into that water because when you're at the bottom, that's that's the last place to panic. Yeah, you can. You can. <laughs> but, but you've got to just come up and do it. Um, okay, Brendan, we've come to the end of the show. Um, the floor is now yours for you to share with how we can find out more about you, how we can get hold of the book. Um, and anything else you would like to share? Yeah, you can get the book from any major bookstore, online retailer. I would recommend getting it from book.hookpoint.com uh, because there, if you get the book, you'll get the physical, the ebook, and the audio book all for one price, and you get access to a free hour and a half uh, masterclass. Uh, if they want to learn more about the work that we do with clients about developing hook points, they can go to hookpoint.com. Uh, or they can direct message me on Instagram at Brendan Kane. Brilliant. So thank you very much for taking the time out your busy schedule to join me. Um, I'm so glad we finally got connected after all the sort of mismatches, but um, wishing you the greatest success and all the best with everything that's going on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's, a, again, pleasure to connect with you and everybody that's listening to this. First of all, just let me say a massive thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to know that you're out there listening. And it's great to have the emails that I get from you with suggestions about the show and what you think about the show. That's really nice. Really does help me make the show even better. If you'd like to find out more about me and the types of services I offer or my social media links, then please visit www.jeffnicholson.uk. You can also join us on the Facebook page. Just search for Success IQ Podcast. And that's a new page that we've put up that I'm trying to grow and develop. So you can tune in and find us on other stations such as Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, and of course, iTunes. And if you have the time, it would be great if you could pop over there, leave a rating, leave a review, because it really does help me grow the show and make the impact that I'm really looking for. So just to say, I hope you have a fantastic week. I wish you the greatest success and I look forward to speaking to you next week. Take care.